Welcome to the second season of Youth Theatre Arts Scotland's Spotlight on the Sector. In this episode, White Ass's Lisa Williamson talks to Julie Brown from Glasgow's Speak about the challenges they faced going digital, fearlessness, and some early thoughts about Christmas. Hi Julie, thanks so much for, for joining us today. Good morning, Lisa. It's lovely to speak to you. Um, yeah, we're really chuffed to have you to have you as part of our part of our series and to hear, yeah, to hear a bit about about yourself and about Toonspeak. Yeah, we'll let you. I'll let you introduce yourself. So, yeah, if you could tell us a wee bit about yourself, where you work, and maybe a wee bit about what you were doing before all of this. Yes, it's that funny thing, isn't it? Whenever. Although we work in the arts, we're never the most confident when we're talking about ourselves, are we? That's it. <laughs> um, no, uh, I'm delighted to speak to you. The, the podcasts are, are such a, a, a great idea, Lisa, and uh, it's probably something we'll talk about on the course of this conversation, but just how these digital changes are going to affect what we do moving forward. Anyway, you asked me a question. Look at me, I'm off on a tangent already. <laughs> Yeah, uh, my name is Julie Brown. I am the programme manager at Toonspeak. My official start date with Toonspeak was the 17th of December 2019. <sighs> so I really only started to meet our participants in January of this year and starting to get to understand the programme, all the different work that Toonspeak achieve. And then of course, COVID-19 interrupted my very carefully thought out plans. Um, so we hadn't got to the end of a term. So I've been in role as programme manager, but haven't actually seen through a term with all of our young people and our staff. Uh, haven't seen through any projects from beginning to end as yet uh, when this started. So. So it's been a very interesting process for me. Before I came to Toonspeak, I suppose for about 18 years I had been freelance with the occasional kind of longer term post in there. I graduated from the what was the Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama with an honours degree in contemporary theatre practice. And when I first graduated, I worked as an actor but I always had facilitation and education as as part of my kind of working process. It was something that was embedded really strongly within our course. Um, but when I graduated myself and my fellow classmate Donny McKnight, we formed Random Accomplice, which I don't know whether to say was or is a Scottish theatre touring company. And we've been on a bit of a hiatus for a few years, um, but really my work over all the years as a freelancer has been through acting, then directing, always producing and education. So, and throughout my, my kind of working career, I've worked for various organisations. And yeah, so in 2020, I found myself at Toonspeak in this new role which was created, the organisation went through a bit of a restructure last year. We have a new mm -hmm. um, CEO, Hazel Wotherspoon. And so this role was new. Um, I had just come into post and then locked down, knocked on the door and put paid to plans, Lisa. So that's kind of <laughs> how I got to where I am at the minute, yeah. Wow, what a baptism of fire. <laughs> I know, <laughs> that's it. So you do find yourself um, 
when I'm trying to um, contact some of our participants or the families. In any circumstance, um, you have to earn trust, but in, in COVID circumstances, when you've not even met somebody face-to-face -face before, it's proven even more challenging, um, and understandably so. So, yes, it's been... Um, well, I suppose when you, you look back on your CV, this will be, certainly be one that'll have a big red circle around it, Lisa, that's for sure. So I suppose that you kind of touching upon it there, how, so lockdown, lockdown hits us all and yeah. um, we're all left a bit kind of, what should we do now? Um, so how did Tune Speak adapt? We're still in it really, it's easing slightly, mm -hmm. but we're still part of it. So how, what, how did you approach that? What challenges did that present? Yeah, what did you, what did you do? <laughs> of course, it's so funny. I. I can absolutely replay in my head the moment that um, I was in the office and I realised that this was going to happen. We were just about to, we were two weeks away from our end of term and we had planned evaluation nights, we had planned uh, family and friends nights, um, we had a performance scheduled with our word of mouth group in the many studios, uh, a spoken word event with Sonic Youth. So. We were just about to, to do all of this and we were also just about to, we were going into our Easter holiday programme. So we had a very um, intensive week long um, event ready for many of our participants and a holiday club for um, many of the families in the area. So we were really powering up to several things. And I, I remember the moment in the office, there was only three of us in and it was making the decision. It was on the Monday night. And we were getting kind of mixed messages through government announcements and it was should we put these classes on or not and uh, on the Monday night uh, we had a really small group in uh, and I remember speaking to them all and to the tutors and making a decision that because it was such a small group in a large space we'll go ahead tonight, there's been no guidance not to. And on the Tuesday, I started phoning around other organisations just to get a sense of where people were at. And then that was the moment that as an organisation we decided, although we haven't been officially told to, we're going to pause everything this week until we get a sense of it. Um, and I remember just phoning everybody, phoning staff, trying to get the message out to participants, phoning other members of staff who weren't in that week. And then officially, I suppose, by the Monday of the following week was when we were told that's us, we're in lockdown. So it all happened in some ways very quickly, but in other ways, really slowly. On that last day that we were in our, our office, we are based in Bermulloch, in the, the building lovingly known as the Bermulloch's Residence Centre. And it was myself and the two other members of staff and we were kind of clearing out and we were looking for in the kitchen area any food that we had as part of our holiday food program we were going to distribute it to families and toilet rolls that was the thing when we think back everybody was obsessed with toilet rolls so we were gathering oh, up God, the yeah. toilet rolls uh -huh, mm -hmm. as many as we could find and again that was so we could deliver these to families in the area 
rather than locking a building and having that resource. But we also very positively decided, let's also pack a big box full of arts and crafts materials because surely <laughs> we'll be able to come back and gather all of this and start distributing it. So we, we, we piled everything in a big box and we left it near the front door so that we could come in at a later date to collect this. And we left and we, we put the alarm on and locked the building and we went home and then all of a sudden you realise, oh, we're not going back, we're not going back anytime soon. And I think at, at that point, my feeling was we were so close to this Easter week, we have to do something. People were geared up for it, we have to keep that energy going. And I had contacted all the artists that were going to work on it and they were, we, we were speaking about how we could adapt the programme. And there was a week of this just crazy manic planning and then all of a sudden <clears throat> we realised this is not going to work at all. Toonspeak are not an organisation that function digitally. We don't connect with any of our participants on a digital platform. Yes, we have social media, but that's not how we communicate with participants. And this was so huge and all of a sudden you go, well, what platform are we going to use? You know, and at that point we were looking at things like House Party, um, we were looking at uh, Google Meet, they were the ones that we knew about, but then all these other things. And I suddenly realised we're actually going back to the drawing board here. We, we kind of stopped, more or less. And then I found myself probably for about three weeks solidly going to every seminar or Q&A I could find about digital safety. Because all of a sudden you're going, in the room, we understand what that is. When we're physically in the space with our young people, we've been trained for that. We understand what signs to look out for. We know what any red warning lights, we know what they are. We also get a sense of one another as human beings in a space. But moving to digital, all of that was going to be different. It was going to change completely. And I felt really strongly that we had to get, we had to treat everybody as well as we could in a, in a digital platform as we would in the room. It had to be, you had to feel as safe and secure and as creative as you would in a room. So we wanted to get that right. So all of a sudden the, the importance of doing the delivery was secondary to getting the platform for the delivery right and that took a while and I think what's probably still taking time is to encourage our participants this digital platform is going to work just now because it's, it's a big deal it's a really big deal and also you've got young people who were all of a sudden thrust into this schooling via a digital um, platform as well and yeah. where's the difference between doing your school work, doing your, your Toonspeak sessions, whatever that may be. And then to throw into the mix, Toonspeak, we're based in the northeast of Glasgow and there is that element of digital poverty. And I think very, you know, at the very start, everybody was throwing everything into the, these digital platforms, but there's assumptions that everybody can get online or has Wi-Fi or has a device and they don't. And although I was aware of some of this, I knew that um, Glasgow City Council had made a commitment to get iPads out to primary sevens up to S6s, but all of a sudden you go, well, did they? Does everybody have one? And all of a sudden questions that we never had to consider before really came to the forefront. 
before we could even start planning what that digital programme was going to be. That's interesting you should say that because it's things we see all the time about, oh yeah, that you know, yeah, Glasgow City Council are going to give everyone an iPad, but then do you hear any more about, <laughs> did, uh-huh. did that, was that, did that happen? Did that go on? Uh-huh. So I suppose we're kind of touching upon it there. So that was a barrier your young people were facing. So I suppose what I was going to ask next is, yeah, what have you noticed about young people's engagement with your work during this time and, and what barriers have they faced? Without the digital poverty, just about being online, there is still an element, and it doesn't matter what postcode you stay in, I don't think, that barrier to coming online, it takes a certain confidence. And if you're having to do it on your own rather than in a group, I guess it's like that moment where the first time you walk into a workshop as a new person and you come through the doors and you don't know the venue and you know you're scanning the room looking for that member of staff to welcome you you're looking for a friendly face to invite you in to explain what's going to happen it's about replicating that on a digital basis as well but it's much harder I think because if you're at home you can say ah I'm not doing it Whereas if you're physically being transported to a venue, you're there. So coming through the doors, they're just there in front of you. So yes, there is the barrier. The digital poverty barrier is huge and it's noticeable. But again, I think just across the city, across the nation, we're we're still dealing with that kind of lack of confidence in terms of what this new platform is. And that will be a different journey for everyone. We have to allow everyone to do it in different ways and at different times. For some people, it will take one-to-one support. Others will want to do it in groups. Um, But but that's difficult to manage because, like many organisations, we're probably limited in terms of staff and we're limited in how many platforms we can offer at any one time. So, yeah, it's been it's been quite eye-opening. The other thing I suppose to consider is why were these young people coming to Tune Speak in the first place or, or whatever organisation? What were they coming for? What was the, the kind of art form that they were taking part in? And the majority of our work was about your traditional um, drama in the space, in the room, physically creating something, whether it was working with text or devising on something or storytelling. You're physically in the room with other people, bouncing ideas off of one another, trying things. And there's always, always that physical contact and, you know, you're you're always dealing with that. So all of a sudden, when you you start doing a digital programme, you can't replicate that sense of what you get in a room. And we decided to offer what anything. What's the di- what would you like to do? What have you never done before? And we'll try and help you do that. And interestingly, Lisa, the response was so low. And I think it's because there is an element of not knowing that it's okay to ask for um, something you've never been given before. Just to backtrack a little on that, Toonspeak, um, we were awarded funding, emergency funding through the Supporting Communities Fund, which is a, a Scottish government fund. And I think my understanding is it was going out to about 250 community groups. Toonspeak uh, are an anchor, an anchor organisation within that, which meant we were bringing together other um, charities or, or groups within our area 
who also receive funding through the, the Supporting Communities Fund. So we very quickly developed this um, emergency programme and it was to combat two things. One was about the mental health of our young people, not just Toonspeak young people, but young people across the area, across Glasgow, and now we're looking at further afield than that. Uh, and the second thing was about combating that digital poverty. Can you get online? Do you have data? Do you have the equipment? Do you have Wi-Fi? If you don't, speak to us. Let us try and help you resolve that. And then once you're set up and you're good to go, what would you like to do? We've got a bank of artists here who are sitting waiting to, to help you with your creative project. And that, Lisa, was the bit that just wasn't successful. I think okay. potentially was so wide and that a lot of young people would never, ever think to rock up, knock on the door and say, any chance you could get me a MiFi and I would love to learn how to animate for a film. They probably have all this potential within them, but they've never been afforded the opportunity. And there's something really difficult about asking for something that you've never had before. How do you know you're going to like it? How do you know you want it? Do I need it? And just that asking for help, it's its really hard. It's really hard to, to do. So again, like many of us have done over these last 16, 17 weeks, we totally reversed it and uh, rather than say you come and ask us, we were absolutely, we're trying to have a, a conversation with every one of our participants first and foremost. Um, and then we're setting them challenges. We're offering them the tasters to the art forms to see if it sparked taste. So, um, so again, like many things, as I say, there's been a reversal. We're trying it one way and they, how you have to adapt in this these COVID times, as I'm now calling them, has been it's been so fierce, and we're we're seeing it across the sector. One of the things that has I think been really important is the the YTAS managers forums, and to be able to have conversations with other managers across the sector across Glasgow, the Central Belt, across Scotland, and then further afield, you're obviously organising um, talks with our Irish counterparts. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, but to hear you go, we're, we are actually all in this together. Much of it sounds like a cliche, but we're hearing the same things about the reversal of decisions, you know, hour by hour, day to day. And these multiple sort of contingency plans that people yeah. have had to put in place like it's that sense uh -huh. of oh okay we're not the only ones who have a plan a and had to chuck it out the window then went to yeah. plan b and had to chuck that out the window yeah i think that says a lot for about Tinspeak as well though to to have been brave enough to try something but then also been brave enough to go okay that's not working like let's yeah. shelve it because for whatever reason that's not working for us so we need to find another way but to continue to try and find that way to engage with your with your young people um, and I suppose it's an acknowledgement as well that young people uh, my goodness there's like you say there's so much to be contending with at the moment um, and even if they had the, have the capability to get on zoom I think sometimes it gets to a point where they just maybe don't want to anymore much like we kind of are all feeling at the moment a bit fatigued with it um, yeah absolutely It's also that thing, there's been, recently there has been kind of um, 
there's been new work being created um, and that's on Zoom and I, I struggled, Lisa, to kind of watch it because for me, Zoom is just work now. Yeah. And to finish work on a Friday and then to watch a show on the same platform you've been working on, I find that quite a strain. So, yeah, it's an interesting one where we are at the moment. It really is. Yeah, we're at a new... We're at, well, it feels like we've been at a new a new experience every single week. Everything's been changing so much. To picking up on one of the things you said there, it's when we make our decisions and we have our plan A and we implement them, what's been interesting is how long do we keep trying this for? What's the right time to go, it's not working, I need to go to plan B? Because it, it, it felt for quite a while there, everything was, I'm using the word frantic, but I kind of mean it, we were looking for a result, we wanted to make sure we're doing okay, we need to be, you know, we need to be engaging, but it's not working so we need to try something else, but actually we really, in some respects, we do need to take our time. Certainly at Toonspeak we, we decided that we had to get it right, you know, from the start. We wanted all that safeguarding in place from the very beginning, there was no point in throwing out programmes left, right and centre if we didn't have the foundations in place. It takes time and it, and it can be frustrating, but if this is going to be with us for the foreseeable future, then it was so important to get that right. And um, in other ways, you might try something and you might know within a couple of days, this just isn't working. And yeah, like you say, you've got to at the moment just go, I've made a mistake. I have, um, I've not thought about X, Y, or Z, or um, this is not working because of, and we need to, to start again. And we have to be brave enough to do that. Um, mm -hmm. and we just have to, in some respects, take a leap of faith sometimes for some of what we're doing because it is quite uncharted. What do you think, what concerns or what hopes do you have for the youth theatre, for the youth art sector in the, in the coming months? Well, I think, yeah, I think the, the digital working is going to be with us for a while. So in some ways... I feel quite mixed about that um, because for me, nothing will ever beat being in a room, creating and having ideas and bouncing ideas off and just your very basic human contact, you know, and nothing will beat the experience of a live theatre event for me. And whether that's as an actor, whether it's as a director, whether it's as an audience member, whether that is as one of the hundreds and hundreds of jobs that are involved in creating these experiences and um, all these artists with skills that we're not hearing about just now, you know, nothing will ever beat that experience. So my hope is that one day we will be able to return to that and we will return with such joy and but by the same account, and I know theatre um, is a voice in a way, and I know theatre can be political, which is important, but I don't want to have a programme of work that's all about COVID. I want there to be shows that maybe they can, have, of course, they're going to be influenced by it. We've been through a, a human experience here, but I don't just want to hear about COVID and lockdown and being alone in my home. So that would be a, a kind of concern, but a hope, I suppose, in the same way. A kind of concern I have at the moment is there's some mixed messages, I think, about 
not necessarily arts organisations, but just organisations in general who are getting back to business and doing things. And I am a little bit of a worrywart, I'm not going to lie. So I want us all to have the same kind of... I want us to make sure that we're all going to be safe and we're all doing it in the right way. Um, And I think having been a freelancer for the majority of my career, I I know what it's like when you get mixed messages when you're working for different organisations and some people do it this way, some people do it that way. I think if we do that on a return after COVID, that's going to be horrendous to manage. So I really do want all the organisations that are employing freelance artists to really think about one really strong voice and what that is and how we're looking after people. But I, I want to see a kind of, I want to see a gross out of this. What has been amazing, I think, is particularly, and again, sorry, I'm bigging up the YTAS here. Um, <laughs> the, the managers' meetings have been so good to chat to people that you always knew existed, you always knew their name, you knew what organisation, but you maybe had never met before. And whilst I'm sure we could always have picked up a phone or sent an email, the very fact that we're doing that so regularly now, I think is fantastic. And it's something I hope stays. Just that sense of sharing across an entire art form, across a country, I think is absolutely fantastic. And I would love all that to stay so that we're not working in isolation in our own our own organisations. Yeah. That feels like there's a, a real shared experience and hopefully that will, in some respects, sometimes we can become quite parochial in our, our thinking and in our approach, both as individuals and as organisations. So I'm kind of hopeful that as a sector, that positivity will, will, will find its way down to our young people and I would really like to see them being much more open to trying things. And I would like to see them having more opportunities and finding ways to engage in things that they haven't before and having the, almost being a little bit more fearless about trying something new. And fearless is a a kind of interesting word choice to use in these times when all we're hearing about is safety and precaution and rule. Yeah, absolutely. It's always been about Theatre's always been about trying to break all that down. In a way, I'm going, it's the practice of the young people. I would love for them to just be bringing in all sorts of art forms and just engaging and twisting things up. I think that would be so exciting. Yeah. So there is plenty to look forward to, I think. Yeah, and I think that's a great kind of outlook to have and that, that we should all try and engage with it. What are the positives that we can hopefully find at the other side of this um, and what have we learned that we can that we can take forward in terms of our yeah our wider sense of community and our connection to each other um, how can we keep that when we're still um, even once we hopefully get back into our spaces uh, how can we stay connected differently We're moving out of lockdown a little bit now. Um, yeah. You know, we can we can gather more people can gather in a garden, and you can use people's <laughs> toilets and all that kind of stuff now. <laughs> um, what are you most What are you most looking forward to? Maybe in your in your life outside of work. So there's two things I've kind of set 
I'm, I'm going to use the C word live on air here. I'm going to use the Christmas oh. word. Um, <gasps> and I have been thinking about that because it's it's coming soon. And for me, that's a bit of a goal I need to kind of work towards in terms of where will we be family-wise and friends-wise at that point? Because I, I can't quite believe that we're kind of halfway through July already. And I, people have heard me banging on about this, Lisa. I'm, I'm, I'm beating my own very sad drum, but because I stay myself, you know, for such a long time, I saw nobody apart from on a screen. When the changes, when they, when they started to come in, there's, a, there's an oddness to it because Yes, you're talking to someone, but you're you're in a garden and they're sitting at the other side and there's still not that physical contact as such. Um, so I'm waiting to see where we're at by the end of the year. I feel like I need to plan something. But with my family, we've had a few big milestones in the last wee while and none of them have been celebrated. And I feel there's something, <laughs> there's definitely something to be done there. other thing I'm looking forward to, and this is going to sound utterly ridiculous and flies in the face of everything I've been talking about, but I really want to go away camping somewhere quiet where there is nobody around, somewhere really remote. And I think part of that is about doing it because it's a choice. That's something I would have done before anyway. I love doing that. But I'm doing it not because somebody's telling me I can't see you, not because somebody's saying that I can't come two metres within you, it's because I'm going to choose to just go away and pitch up and paddle in the sea and cook macaroni cheese on my Bunsen burner. <laughs> to, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds... I'm really looking forward uh, to I that. feel it. <laughs> Um, so both both ends of the spectrum great big like Christmas party and also super quiet camping trip yeah Yeah, exactly exactly I'm kind of like a what would you call a kind of oxymoron of answers there that's it (laughs) well thank you so much Julie it was so great to chat to you and hear about all of the amazing stuff you've been doing over it you guys have been doing over at Toonspeak and how incredibly hard you've all been working to to engage your young people so thank you for for taking the time to chat to us not at all I'm quite sure um when I listen back I probably barely mentioned the program I've whittered on about me 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 I'm very sorry about that but yeah all the information is on the website Lisa so if anybody wants to look at um tunespeak.co.uk then of course they can or they can contact me give me a phone or an email you can get that from YTAS and I'll happily chat through in this very the spirit of sharing where we all are at the moment I'm happy to thanks for listening to this episode of Spotlight on the Sector to get the latest episodes or catch up on season one don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can get more information on YTAS's work and find full transcriptions of every episode on our website at www.ytas.org.uk.